Hi, I'm Tim Jaglich. And I'm Martin Yerobi. Welcome to Future America's podcast. This is a podcast about the future of the Americas. That's Americas, plural. That's from Nunavut, Canada, all the way down to Patagonia in Argentina. All of the nations and peoples that live in the Western Hemisphere. From the very beginning, this region has been bound together by shared experiences and shared challenges. Those ties will only grow closer in our increasingly interconnected age. This podcast will feature the voices of the next generation of leaders of the Americas. Tim and I both live in the United States of America, and in the coming episodes, we'll have conversations with friends from other countries in the Americas. We'll talk to young people from all walks of life, business people, artists, activists, and scholars. We want to understand how our generation thinks about the identities, opportunities, and challenges that define our lives. And in the process, we hope to develop a better understanding between the people of the Americas. Being from the US, we are well aware that the United States tends to ignore our neighbors, dominating a conversation that should include many voices. We hope that our generation can do things differently through honest conversations and equal partnership. There's so much that we don't know about the Americas. So we're looking forward to learning from the conversations we have. We are excited to begin this journey and we hope you are too. All right, so I think we can put the script aside and get into some real talk uh, since this is a podcast about conversation. Um, so I think it's important, Martine, for, for the people to know who we are and, and what experiences we bring to, to this, these, these conversations. So do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'd be more than happy to do so. Well, a little bit about myself. I was born in Ecuador. I was born in Quito, but I grew up in Los Angeles. And I've always had this great opportunity to experience both regions and both uh, both cultures. Really feel like I'm, you know, someone from the Americas, as we've been saying, and not just Ecuadorian or from the United States. I've also gotten this opportunity to travel a little bit around the Americas as well, going to Lima, to Bogota, to Mexico City, which has shown me that even though all of our foods are very drastically different, and we may have different different words for uh, the same things, we actually share a lot of similarities. And it's just really ingrained in me the passions that I have for this region that I identify so much with. Throughout my studies, uh, when I was at GW, I always tried to make sure that Latin America was tied to, in any capacity, to the things that I was doing. And now, you know, at 23 years old, I want to continue to be this voice in this conversation about the Americas. And really, if not bring about change necessarily, bring about understanding and insight, both for myself and for the people around me. What about you, Tim? We'd love to hear a little bit about yourself. Of course. So I uh, am 23 years old also. Uh, I'm from Chicago. And I am not Latino, but I have uh, found my, myself involved in this world um, and, and very um, interested in these, these issues, much the same way as you, Martin. So I found my way into the, the Western Hemisphere Americas area um, many years ago when I worked at an immigrant legal services office here in the Chicago suburbs. And um, 
you know, had the had the opportunity to to make a lot of great friends, but also, you know, witnessed a lot of the the challenges that send a lot of people north to the United States. And so became very interested in understanding the Americas better. I studied abroad in Mexico and, and did a great internship in Puerto Rico. And uh, since then have been um, similarly to you trying to understand the region better, how it's changing and and moreover how um, the Americas uh, as as one region can can collaborate. And, and draw on our shared um, experiences and, and the things that bind us together to make a better world. Um, and so I'm excited about the conversations that we'll have about how to do just that. Excited to solve all the problems uh, that, that are out there, Martin. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> yeah. And so... As you can tell, listeners, um, Martine and I are both very personally interested in these issues, um, but we're also very professionally interested in them. In fact, we're trying to build our careers around them. Uh, we both met when we were interning for an international uh, advisory firm based in DC that was, uh, we worked for their Latin America team. Um, and we both have written and read and thought a lot about political and economic and commercial issues in the Americas. Um, so with that lens, we, uh, I think, are going to get into a lot of really interesting challenges um, in, uh, in the Americas, um, but also a lot of opportunities that can be accessed if we're, if we're smart about it. Um, and so we're excited to have these conversations. So in our later episodes, we will be bringing on guests to understand their views on their respective countries. But in this first episode, we will be interviewing each other to give you, the audience, a sense about how each of us thinks about the Americas and the work that we want to achieve in order to make it better. So Tim, let's start with you. One of the things that I'm super interested in knowing, you know, in, uh, about you, right, in letting our audience also get an understanding is your, your views on where you think our current generation, right, us 20-something year olds, mm-hmm. um, how the U.S. in particular can be creating stronger ties with other 20-something-year-olds in Latin America. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's it has to start with an understanding that we do have and should have ties with people from other countries in the region. Because I think the, the hard truth is that a lot of young people in the United States don't ever really think about um, all the other young people throughout the Americas region and don't think about there being relationships that they could benefit from there. Now, I think that that is changing just with the number of immigrant families from the Americas region that have settled in the United States and um, their children and children's children who have a connection to, you know, specific countries in the Americas region and have, you know, stories that they can bring to help the United States understand um, the region better. Um, But I think that it is an ongoing process. And I think that it starts with understanding that we are not the only country in this hemisphere and we are not the only voice that needs to be heard. Right. And I think that you brought up something very interesting. I'd be really interested in hearing what your thoughts on what, what you want to see change, right? What do you hope to see uh, change in this relationship that people of our age have with uh, their Latin American counterparts, especially taking into consideration the power of technology and social media? Yes. Well, I hope that the American uh, education system gets better at teaching Spanish. I think that is a starting point. Um, it has taken me a while to get 
you know, halfway decent at Spanish. And I think that that is a, a barrier. Um, but I think a lot of Latin Americans are, are much better at English than we are uh, at, at speaking Spanish. Um, but I do think that that, that technology is uh, making room for a lot of connections. Like I think that, you know, even just um, five years ago, you wouldn't have had, you know, Bad Bunny um, performing on SNL or, you know, playing in, or, you know, performing in the Super Bowl with Shakira and, and J-Lo. And so I think that the cultural influences are bringing a lot of young Americans to awareness of the, the connections with Latin America. And I'm hopeful that that will create an interest in, you know, doing the work to, to learn Spanish and be able to, to make some, make some friendships in the region. I think that makes a complete sense. And, you know, it shows that there is some positive change coming forward and we get to listen to more Bad Bunny music in the process. So I think yeah. it's a win-win. So you mentioned also in a little bit about your background uh, that you got the chance to live in Mexico and really experience um, what it was, you know, to, to, to assimilate into this different culture. Mm -hmm. We could go down the line of the vast differences between living in Pueblo, Mexico and Chicago, Illinois. But I'd be really interested in hearing what you actually experienced that was similar, right? And what you weren't, then especially similarities that you were not expecting. Absolutely. So I think that there were some similarities that were just, um, you know, more surface level, but I, but I still think are, are worth mentioning. I was surprised to learn how popular American football is uh, in Mexico. Like there's, there's a pretty big following for the Pittsburgh Steelers, believe it or not. Um, but I think that the United States I and mean, the U.S.-Mexico relationship has always been con complex. And even as we are so close, there's always been a distance. Um, but I think being in Mexico and getting to, you know, make, make friendships with, um, with, with Mexicans, especially Mexicans of, of our age group, it just really revealed to me how similar the cultures are and how we think about uh, education, how the education system is structured, and how um, you know the opportunities that that we're interested in, and so I think that um, I'm hopeful that there can be a greater understanding between our generations, between U.S. and Mexico, because I think for the longest time there has been um, a distance that we haven't been able to get past um, in that relationship. That's really good to hear, and it's good to know that there is a following for football as, as well as some football on the side. Yes, I don't even follow uh, American football, and people were asking me about, you know, who's my team. Uh, <laughs> great. Um, so that's me. That you know, these are some some things that I uh, bring to to these conversations, and, and I'm sure you know the audience will hear a bit more about how how I think and and, and the experiences that I've had. But I think that um, Martine, I'd love to ask you some questions, um, given that you've had you know just a really um, interesting um, and somewhat unique experience. Um, so you are a hyphenated American, so to speak. So you're Ecuadorian American. And um, I think that it's, it's interesting to have that um, blended identity between two different cultures. And so I wanted to ask, um, I guess, how has that impacted, you know, your experience of growing up? And, and when do you feel most Ecuadorian and most from the U.S.? Yeah, so that, that's such an interesting question because it's something that fluctuates, right? There are days that I think about it more and other days that it doesn't even cross my mind. Um, but to start off, at least for myself, it's interesting because it's not a always 50% thing, 
if that makes sense. It's not like at all times I'm 50% Ecuadorian and 50% American. Um, there are days that, like you said, I, I feel more Ecuadorian. I feel more connected to my roots. Something, for example, that makes me feel that way is listening to Ecuadorian music or talking to my family, talking to my parents, um, or even just speaking Spanish, right? Uh, surrounding myself with other Spanish speakers and listening to what makes them Puerto Rican or them Colombian or what makes them Mexican, right? Makes me realize that I also have a very strong tie to Ecuador and these very small things, right? Be it the way I speak, be it the things that I eat, the music that I listen to, um, and not just the flag that I decided to hang up on my room this one time. <laughs> uh, alternatively, right, I'm also very much so proud and, you know, of, of my American background. Growing up in California, um, I, I identify almost more Californian than I do Ecuadorian at times. Uh, because that is where I developed, you know, my understanding of, of the world. Uh, so alternatively, right, when I am studying per se, or whenever I get the chance to go back to California and I surround myself with um, other Americans, I, I, I feel very closely tied and I just can't help but feel um, a little bit less Ecuadorian, and not in a negative way. I've actually seen and kind of following up because it's given me such amazing outlooks. It's given me the opportunity to uh, almost like like a switch, right? Turn it on and off and see what makes, you know, my identity as an, as an Ecuadorian, right? Uh, how that plays as a role in my views in, you know, the United States, in uh, America, um, and even expand my circle's understanding of what it is to be an Ecuadorian. So I would definitely say that, yeah, being a hyphenated American, um, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, gives you really incredible outlooks. Even though, like I said, at times, it's not always this marked 50% divide between Ecuadorian, one, one side of the hyphen and the other. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's such an interesting perspective that you bring. One question, uh, something that I was wondering, while traveling in either Ecuador or other countries in Latin America, have you ever been picked out by someone as looking like you're from the United States or have you ever been called a gringo? Yeah, so it's actually super funny that you bring that up because there have been several times where people on both sides, again, like um, don't understand really where I'm from, if that makes sense. Uh, every time I go back to Ecuador, my family very much so identifies me as American and they see, uh, like you said, a gringo in me, right? Uh, and it's just really funny because, again, growing up in California, even though I grew up in an Ecuadorian household, every day when I stepped out, I was part of this uh, Californian society. So it's funny to kind of bring that back uh, to Ecuador and almost like kind of be like a little bit of a fish out of water, right? And it works the same way, right? Uh, growing up in California, I remember when my friends would come to my house uh, when we were in middle school and everybody was like, wait, your, your house is different than mine. Like, it smells different. It, the, 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 the language is different. It looks different. And um, again, there were those like small little differences that I would experience um, where it would almost enrich the people around me, I would like to think, right? And also enrich myself, right? Because I was like, ah, these are things that make me me, right? And it really solidified like the identity that I wanted to have right. and continue to, to, to foster. Yeah, absolutely. You are a bridge between the worlds. 
Um, and so being that bridge, uh, I think that that connects well to my next question, which is, what do you think that the U.S. needs to understand better about the rest of the Americas, about Latin America, and vice versa? The first thing that comes to my mind is this big idea, right, that the, especially that the United States needs to understand, that Latin America is not a monolith, mm. right? Um, as I said, like, one of the things that I experienced the most growing up was that people thought that Latin America was all the same, right? It was, well, you guys speak Spanish, you guys eat the, the, the same kind of food, which is very false, um, and that it's all about the same, right? But in reality, Latin America is rich and diverse, and we have so many vast differences uh, down to the way we speak, right? We even butt heads with each other because we can't agree on how to say popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> how do Ecuadorians say popcorn? Ah, see, Ecuadorians, we say cangui. What? I know palomitas. Exactly. <laughs> and I think uh, other countries, I can't remember, I think it was maybe Bolivia, Colombia, they say uh, uh, popetas. Weird. Very drastically different, yeah. Or like straw. Straw has also been uh, very, very... Uh, Popote? Uh, Popote. Is that how you say it in Mexico? Mexico yeah, I think. But So in Ecuador, we say uh, sorbete. Oh, interesting. That sounds like sorbet, like the dessert. Mm, that's what I'm telling you. Yeah. So we can't seem to yeah. agree, right? This but will be, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, this will be an ongoing project to figure out these these differences. Um, <laughs> sorry, you were saying about uh, about that mutual understanding piece. Exactly. Yeah. So it, it's it's essentially that, right? I think that the United States can come to understand that Latin America is not a monolith. That there are drastic differences, you know, within each country. And even then, right, with like there's differences um, between these countries per se, but there's also differences within them, right? Yeah. Speaking from experience, like Ecuador is also very di different all throughout. We have, in terms of like regions, we have the coast, we have the Andes, and then we have uh, the Amazon. And within these three regions, um, we are also very drastically different in the way we speak and the way we talk and our background and our heritage. Um, like Ecuador is very, very, very close to its like Native American and its indigenous backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. Something that a lot of people in the United States know little to nothing about. Right. So I would definitely say that one of the biggest and most important things is obviously for the United States to come around and kind of understand like, wait, okay, like we can't just target or think about Latin America as this one blob, right? There's actually so many differences among itself. Right. And actually, this comes the same way, right, uh, from how Latin America should think about the United States. Mm -hmm. The United States is also not a monolith, as we've come to see. It's rich and diverse. There's the West Coast, the East Coast, Midwest, North, South, all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people in Latin America, a lot of Latinos, have um, this assumption that the United States is the same from, you know, coast to coast. Right. There's a lot of differences. And more than anything, that the United States is maybe even lacking in diversity. Mm. Right? The United States is growing at every moment. And our societies, in particular, with, in, with like low Latino societies, mm -hmm. are becoming more rich and diverse every single day. So right. I think for Latinos also, you know, to want to be recognized, right? It's like, no, like I'm Ecuadorian or I'm a Quiteño Ecuadorian, right? Or I'm a, from this neighborhood in Quito, Ecuadorian, right? Uh -huh. We also need to understand that the United States is also not a monolith and that it is right. continually fluctuating with all these rich, diverse cultures. Yeah. Yes, I cannot agree more. Um, 
And I, 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 that was certainly something that I encountered in, while I was in Mexico, a sense, particularly in how it relates with Latin America, that the U.S. is a monolith. And I think that there's, there's good reason for that. And the long history of U.S. interventions in the region, it, it just seems like one single, you know, uh, entity that's coming down to, you know, <laughs> cause some trouble, cause some mischief. Something um, around. <laughs> right. And and I think that, no, there is a, a great diversity, particularly in, in thinking about how to relate with the world uh, in the United States. And I think that a broader uh, or a better understanding between people of, of the United States and the people of Latin America would help to create a better you know, U.S. In engagement with the region and a, and a more, uh, hopefully, uh, as we said at the beginning, a more inclusive conversation about these issues that we have to confront together. Agreed. Yeah. Um, so final question, um, kind of building on our, uh, that, that point about complex foreign policy, uh, ethical debates, why is uh, Ecuadorian food the best in Latin America? Oh, so I might get yelled at by my family and my fellow Ecuadorians, but I wouldn't call Ecuadorian food the best in Latin America, if I'm going to be completely honest. Ooh. Though, you know, to all the Ecuadorian listeners, a good fritada every now and then really hits the spot. But I'm very biased. Uh, I grew up, obviously, like in Southern California, always close by the coast. So there were a lot of Peruvian restaurants uh, that I was introduced to. And Peruvian food ended up being something that I just loved so much because of its diversity, because of its, um, its history as well. Uh, Peruvian food is very, it's, 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 it's a natural fusion, if that makes sense. It's very influenced from a lot of the Chinese immigrants that went to Peru uh, in the late 1800s and early 1900s. So it, it gives it such an interesting taste, right? And a good ceviche is always amazing. I'm not going to lie as well. So I'm going to be uh, quite frank and uh, be, very, be very forward with my hot take that I don't think Ecuadorian food is the best in Latin America. Wow. Peruvian food definitely wow. dominates us. <laughs> but maybe, hey, things can change. Things can change. You never know. Give Ecuador a couple more years. When we get to our Ecuador episode, I am sure that's, that there will be a showdown like nothing the podcast world has, has seen. But I, but I think the, the thing that I'm thinking about is I have never, ha I've, I've had neither Ecuadorian food nor Peruvian food. And so this for me personally is a, is a, is a project that I need to take on myself to, to do the work uh, and, and be able to, to, to form that kind of opinion. I'm, I'm obviously very partial to Mexican food having, you know, taken a tour of it, but <laughs> But no, I, uh, yeah. So, um, Martin, I think that that is a good uh, place to, to to leave it. I think that this was a good starting conversation. Obviously, we didn't cover every issue <laughs> under the sun, but I think that um, I hope that that the audience, you know, will will stick around for the next episode and 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 follow along as we kind of engage with these these conversations and uh, i think we'll have some some good um you know points to make in the in, in the coming episodes i can't wait 
Thank you so much uh, to everyone who joined us for this introduction episode of the Future Americas podcast. It was a joy to get started on this journey, and we hope that you'll stick around for future episodes. Uh, our next episode will feature guests from Puerto Rico. We'll discuss the U.S. relationship with the island, the perennial question of statehood, and lots of other dimensions of island life. Uh, we hope you'll join us for that, and, and in the meantime, stay safe and warm wherever you are.